Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. The Rose Bowl. The game that inspired the college football bowl season has a long and storied history. The stadium itself is 100 years old, and in celebration of it, Pigskin Dispatch is assembling some of the top historians and authors to share the memories, people, and events that make the granddaddy of them all the special game that it is. Enjoy this Rose Bowl memory from pigskindispatch.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pig Fan, your portal of positive football history. And we are still in Rose Bowl month, getting ready for the big game and the 100th anniversary of the stadium that houses it. Uh, exciting times indeed. And we are bringing on historians and authors and experts on these great games. And we have one tonight uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana. Troy Darangowski, welcome to the Pig Pen. Darren, thank you. It's great to be with you. And uh, boy, congratulations on all the great work you guys do. It's a lot of fun to watch every day. And uh, I've always enjoyed history of sports and what you guys are doing is incredible. Oh, well, well thank you very much. And you have uh, quite the project yourself. So why don't you uh, describe what your project is and what you do on a daily basis uh, to our listeners so they can become familiar with it? Well, it's something that um, in a lot of respects, I started about 38 years ago, that's when I started in radio. And I was working after I left the University of Wyoming, ended up back in Laramie covering the Wyoming Cowboys. And I did that for about three years. And uh, at that point, I said, you know what, I think I need a change. And uh, traveling around Wyoming during the wintertime ended up being a little bit more than I wanted. And I'd lived there and grew up in Colorado. So the wind and the cold and the snow and all that ended up getting me to the point where I needed a change. And then uh, my program director at Kurt Gowdy Station there in Laramie before he ended up passing away. And I had a chance to chat with him a few times. And, and I thought, you know, I wanted to cover Indiana basketball, especially Indiana high school basketball, because at that time it was a one class situation. And it stayed that way up until about uh, 97, 96 at that time. And so it was kind of fun that I heard about it Hoosiers, as you probably know, the movie Hoosiers based on the, the team out of Milan. And I just fell in love with basketball, being a big, big basketball fan myself. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm here in Indiana and I've been here for the last uh, 32 years. And so I've had an opportunity to cover everything from, again, high school basketball to college football to the Colts when they course uh, made their way here they were a young team still in Indianapolis at that time and so it's been a quite an adventure and then 
about 12 years ago, I started a project uh, called RadioTroy.com. And at that time, I decided to get out of radio and get into the video portion of covering high school sports, which at that time, about 12 years ago, was really at the very edge of starting this. And now everybody seems to have a some kind of a webcasting company here in the state of Indiana and probably across the country. And so we had to learn a lot in a short amount of time to get our product out there uh, and try to perfect it, which it took a little bit of time to do. And so we did that for about 10 years with our website that contains information. It's, it's nothing really all that special that most people are pretty much doing at this level for as much time as I can put into it right now. And uh, so then um, we decided the town I was living in on the eastern side of the state, near actually, we might as well have been in Ohio. And being a Michigan fan, that was really tough because there's too many Ohio State fans in my town. But then we decided we were going to come to Indianapolis. And then we teamed with a company here, uh, which is what a lot of people talk about now is Indiana SRN. When they started, it was Indiana Sports Radio Network. Well, they too figured out that after a couple of years, let's get into the video side of things and the radio portion of it, which was internet radio, kind of fell by the wayside. And so we partnered together. And so I broadcast for them now. And we probably do, I would say 99.9% video broadcasting now. And so we do small college, uh, which is the Heartland Collegiate Athletic Conference here in this state. It's a division three conference. And then we uh, 350 games a year, anything from football, which is really big, but basketball, as you probably know, being in the state of Indiana, high school basketball is, is a religion. And then we'll carry on into, uh, into baseball and softball and every track and field will end up doing. It's been a good partnership. And, uh, and I think that if you look at the amount of games that we do each and every year, we are the most of anybody in the state of Indiana. We've also stretched from, if you're familiar with the Indiana, we're, we're from Terre Haute to Richmond from west to east and, and from South Bend all the way down to Evansville. So we've actually branched out this year. And uh, the good news is I don't have to do all going on. They have other people doing it. But it's been a fun adventure and a good partnership with the people there at Indiana SRN. And we're always looking to expand and, and just keep on going. Well, very, very cool. Very interesting indeed. Yeah, I can, uh, you know, know my exposure, just like you said, to watching the movie Hoosiers and see how passionate the fans are of uh, basketball in Indiana. And of course, you know, the guys like Larry Bird coming from there and, uh, you know, the, the Pacers and everything else, uh, uh, Bobby Knight and those great uh, days he had at IU. Uh, we can appreciate that Indiana loves their basketball. Well, they do. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, even though it took a little bit of time to get from the one class to the four classes that they do now, I think when it first started, people really did not like it at all. I mean, some of the small schools liked it because they had a better chance to win a state championship at a 1A, 2A, 3A level. But the, the history behind that, that movie is it's the, the David and Goliath. And people love that. I think even today, there's a lot of the purists that would love nothing more than to go back to that because they wanted to see that small school. And it happened more often than not. They may not have won a state championship, but they beat a lot of big schools on the way 
to and uh, there's no to see that school that has only a couple hundred students going up against maybe a, a school like a Lawrence North or somebody like that of Indianapolis who has 5,000 students. And, uh, and there's a lot of really very good basketball players, very inte intelligent IQ basketball players in Indiana. May not have the same number as some of the other states, but uh, I can honestly tell you, I don't think there's another state anywhere that has any smarter players because they're coached so well. And it's just, a, it's just been a lot of fun to be a part of all these years. Very nice. Well, you, you talk about that David and Goliath. Well, we almost have sort of that in, in our Rose Bowl segment that uh, you're going to talk about today. We're going back in the 1960s, and, and maybe you want to set up who these teams are uh, that we're going to be talking about for this 1967 Rose Bowl. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the one thing about the state of Indiana is teams don't get to the Rose Bowl very often, as you probably know. Uh, so when Purdue gets to go there, it's a big celebration. But you go back to 1967, and what is really interesting about that team, and I, in fact, this just happened in the last couple of days, one of their running backs was named Leroy Keys. And Leroy was just now inducted into the Purdue Hall of Fame. Now, I can't figure out why it took him so long, because he was really one of the best running backs he ever had. So if there were a lot of other running backs better than him, that are in the Hall of Fame already. I want to know who they are, but he was really a very, very talented running back. Their quarterback, which most people know, and I'm a big fan of the Miami Dolphins when I was a kid, Larry Zonka, Paul Warfield, Jim Kick, and of course, when you think about Bob Greasy. Now, their cradle of quarterbacks is what they call, I know Miami of Ohio likes to claim that, but I think if you really look at what they do at Purdue, I think they're more of a cradle of quarterbacks of all the guys they've had and he was an all-american and he was just a very special player you saw what he did at miami the odd thing that a lot of people don't know about that rose bowl team is if you didn't have what they called up i guess they call it kind of at that time the runner-up bowl because purdue nowadays they wouldn't be there you don't finish second in the conference and and would go to the rose bowl per se the way it was there for quite a while Things have changed so much differently now that it just doesn't quite add up that you always go to the to the Rose Bowl. But you had Michigan State, who actually won the Big Ten that year. And because they had what they called the no repeat rule, they couldn't go back to the Rose Bowl. So Purdue was next in line because Purdue, by the way, they lose to Notre Dame, they lose to Michigan State because Michigan State won the championship, but unfortunately. Purdue was able to go, or I shouldn't say, unfortunately, for Michigan State, they couldn't do it. And so I think that uh, if you kind of look at it in that direction, you think, well, they probably shouldn't have been there, but the way the rules were set up, they got a chance to go. Wow, so a great opportunity for them by the misfortune of the rules for uh, Michigan State. So, okay, but they're there. And, you know, they're, they're playing in this big game, you know, back in that day, it's, you know, the, the premier game of uh, the New Year's uh, weekend or the New Year's uh, festivities in college football, the Rose Bowl, you know, the granddaddy of them all, it's not called that for any, no, no reason at all. So uh, who were they playing in this game? Well, when they, when they finally get there, uh, they're playing USC. Yeah, Purdue uh, goes to the, to the Rose Bowl 
And by the way, it was their, their first appearance in, in the Rose Bowl. So think about that. They only got lucky enough that Michigan State could not be in it. And then they get a chance to go and their first trip is there. And I want to mention one other thing, if I can, because when you look back at that Rose Bowl, the theme of the, of the Tournament Roses Parade, they called it the, the Travel Tales and Flowers. And the reason why, as you probably know, there are so many engineers that come out of Purdue that end up being working with NASA. They wanted to kind of put those two programs together. And so in 1967, you're talking about landing at some point a man on the moon. And you had the Soviet Union already with the Sputnik 1 uh, making its way in 1957. So they had a lot of work to do. And so they kind of made that the theme of this Rose Bowl. So you have USC, Pac uh, the Pac-8 champions. Uh, I have to go date myself a little bit because I can remember when the Big Eight and, and teams like that uh, were just the Big Eight, not 14, 16 teams like you have now. But they played USC. They were 7-3 and three coming in, uh, ranked number 10 in the country. And they ended up kind of in a kind of controversial way of getting in there as well. And for those of you that are old enough to remember, if you go back to that time, UCLA was actually ranked number five and beat USC uh, 14 to seven in the game that they had. So if you really think about it, Michigan State and UCLA probably should have been there, but it ended up being Purdue and USC. So because apparently from the information that I had seen that there was some kind of a mix-up or a quirk in the schedule, USC played one more game than US, uh, UCLA. So USC had a record of 4-1 and one in the conference, and UCLA had a record of 3-1. and one. And so even though UCLA beat them, USC got a chance to go. And I guess there was some dispute before the USC-UCLA game that the winner would actually go to the Rose Bowl. But unfortunately, USC got the vote by, I guess, the AWU athletic directors, and uh, they decided to let USC go. Um, Notre Dame, by the way, if you don't want mind me throwing in a little Notre Dame information here, because this is kind of how USC finished out their season before they went to the Rose Bowl, is Notre Dame beat USC 51 to nothing in the final game of the year. So a lot of people thought that there was no possible way that USC should go to the Rose Bowl. It should have been UCLA. But unfortunately, with the way the standings turned out, it, it didn't happen that way. So when you get to the game itself, I mean, it was a defensive struggle. Uh, it was 7-7 at halftime. Purdue led 14-7 in the third quarter. You had under a couple of minutes to play in that game, and then USC scored a touchdown. Rod Sherman, uh, 19 yards, made the catch. A lot of people know about Rod Sherman out of USC. And then, uh, of course, John McKay was the head coach uh, for the Trojan, ended up going to the National Football League. And then, of course, it ended up being a Purdue win. Uh, actually intercepted a pass in the end zone to preserve that 14-13 uh, victory. So for the Boilermakers, don't make it to the uh, – the Rose Bowl very often, but uh, they were able to get it and uh, get the victory there, which is good news because uh, most of our teams in the state of Indiana, other than Notre Dame, don't make it to a bowl game very often. 
Well, that's a quite a had to be quite a game if you're you're picking off a pass in the end zone to, to end the game. You knew they had to be starting to get within a field goal range and a, a one point edge is no match for a field goal score. That's for sure. So had to be exciting at the end. Well, it certainly would be when you consider that uh, there wasn't much of offense in that game either, and it was going to come down to the defense who was going to make the decision right there. So. Again, for Purdue uh, to, to win a game like that, it kind of reminds me of IU when they ended up going to the Rose Bowl, I believe, the following year in 1968, and, and they were very excited about that as well. So, uh, again, Rose Bowl doesn't happen very often with Purdue and IU, so when they get a chance to go, they certainly enjoy it. Uh, I'll bet they do. So special moment there with Purdue winning that game. So great job on that. Love to hear that history. And uh, we really appreciate you doing that. Uh, Troy, why don't you tell us that you've told us a lot about your, your projects and your, your website and what you guys do. Why don't you let it, let the listeners know where they can see your work. And maybe if you have some social media, you'd like to share with us, uh, do that too. So people can follow you. Well, I appreciate that. You know, we're very, well, being in Indiana, we're very heavy on Indianapolis sports, especially with, uh, you know, Butler basketball and some of the things that are going on around here. We're only uh, maybe 50 minutes away from IU, uh, uh, maybe about an hour away from Purdue, a little bit further to Notre Dame. But we tried it. What we have done, which is, I think, uh, good for us, in the Indiana SRN is we've had a really good relationship with all these sports information directors and they've been kind enough. They'll send us information. Uh, my email is full all the time, even from all the small colleges that we've been in, in contact with. Uh, so we try to gather it all together. And um, the website is radiotroy.com. And it is, we do, we get a lot of the national stuff too sent to us and, and, but, Everybody can kind of do that. And uh, so we try to keep uh, the high school basketball scores and and uh, we'll do a watch list for high school basketball and high school football. And and again, we house a lot of the things there. In fact, we've uh, we even house your guys podcasts. Uh, I think just about every one of them, uh, when we got in contact with each other a couple of months ago, you sent me all the logos. And because I thought what you guys are doing is so much fun that people want to understand what history of sports is all about is to really do what you do. And I don't mean, again, I'm not trying to blow smoke here, but I'm just, I don't see anybody else doing that the way you guys are doing it and doing it so much. Uh, so we've decided to house all of your websites and all your podcasts on, on radiotroy.com. Just go there. In fact, they're all listed right there on the, uh, on the homepage. And um, then we promote on behalf of everybody else. Uh, thank you for that. We really appreciate that. Oh, you bet. Yeah. And, and I, I, and I tell you what, if, if people are looking for something completely different and, and I think the reason that I wanted to do it is when I came across your podcast and the information, it's not just the podcast, it's all the information you guys provide, which I'm sure isn't easy to do every day because that takes a lot of work and, I know you guys do a lot of research on that. So I think sometimes being a, see, I'm used to be a, a basket, basketball coach here in the state of Indiana too, which I was able to do. And then I'm also a basketball referee. And I think sometimes uh, maybe some of the young people aren't looking back to see some of the history in sports, whether it's baseball or football or whatever. And I would like to see them do that um, because there was a lot of people that came before them I hope they do realize that, that established a lot of the things that are 
happening that they're able to do today. And, uh, and I'll talk to some of the young people and they'll say, well, I've never heard of that person. And yet I'm only talking about maybe 15, 20 years ago. So it really makes me feel old. So I think what you guys are doing is really special. So that's why I wanted to house it on our website to hopefully give you guys a, a little more publicity. And uh, I hope it's working. And I always point out to other people. And I've got one guy that works with me now who's just a huge, huge baseball fan and loves that stuff. So I'm sure he is really, really very interested in that as well. So we're doing that. And most of it's just content. We don't do anything really, really all that special, anything more than anybody else. But uh, for for us, I guess I should add this. I think for us, newspaper has become almost uh, a thing of yesteryear because people, you don't get all the scores and, and people don't take delivery of newspapers anymore. So one thing we pride ourselves on to go out and collecting all the scores we possibly can from the high schools and the small colleges and stuff, because I think that makes a big difference. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid growing up, I was a newspaper person. I always grabbed the newspaper to read the box scores and see how the Reds and the Cardinals and some of those teams were doing and how did Johnny Bench do that day or Pete Rose or whoever it might have been. So that always interested me. I don't think we see that much today. I don't know if most of the young people even know how to read a box score, let alone get one in their newspaper. So we try to move in that direction too. So. Well, that's a great thing because I can definitely remember those days myself be, before the cable TVs and sports 24 hours and uh, the internet. Uh, that's what you did. You listened to, you know, myself, I listened to a Pittsburgh Pirates baseball game on the radio in the 70s. And, you know, if I fell asleep during or had my parents made me go to bed, I got up the next morning and stuck down and got the, on the front porch and got the newspaper to see what the box were, just like you. <laughs> and the thing I hated the most was they said late game, you know, done, done after print. Then, I, then you had to wait another day to, to see it, but uh, yeah. I can appreciate well, what I, you're saying. And we, we appreciate what you guys are doing as well. You know, bringing that, uh, a great high school sports. Uh, I was a high school official myself and only a game of football here in Pennsylvania. And I, I know how important that is. It's the purest level of sport. There is this uh, high school sports. So really appreciate you guys covering that. Oh, you bet. And then we appreciate that as well, because it's, it's in, I, and I've been around in the state of Indiana enough and some of the other states to know that even in the radio business, a lot of stations just aren't carrying games anymore. It's just not profitable. People aren't listening. So I think that you know, our, our ability to do that and uh, put those kids on the air and do some of those things, because I still believe high school sports for now, still one of the purest sports we have. And I think I'd like to keep it that way. So by the way, I got to mention, speaking of, I can beat you on the seventies, I can go back into the sixties. And I used to be able to have a little transistor radio and I would keep it under my pillow because my mom certainly didn't know that I was listening to games, you know, at 11 o'clock at night on a school night. So it probably would, God rest her soul. She probably wouldn't be too happy about that, but I'm listening. I was in Colorado at that time and I could hear the Reds games um, I mean, it was Marty Brenneman who had just really started there at that time as the voice of the Reds, and he retired just a couple of years ago. But I'm listening to WW out of Cincinnati all the way out in eastern Colorado. So I had a chance to, to, to see that, hear that very, very early back in the, well, late 60s, early 70s. So. <laughs> Wow, that, that's a remarkable. Uh, that's back when they had radio reception that would travel uh, more than a couple miles too. So <laughs> transmitters were, were a lot more powerful back then. 
But yeah, uh, it helped having a fifty thousand watt station too. So I'm sure right. that uh, that was a big help. But but it was fun because not only did I learn about baseball and learn about the Reds and Pete Rose and those guys, but then I'd start listening to Colorado Buffaloes football and Bob Martin and guys like that. And actually, Colorado was pretty decent back then, not as much as uh, as uh, they would be now, but uh, a lot of history back then. I really enjoyed it. Well, it's great stuff and uh, really appreciate you coming on here, Troy, because uh, really, really love the Rose Bowl coverage. Love the, what you guys are doing and hearing all about the, the Indiana sports, reminiscing a little bit when we were kids and how you had to listen to sports and get your information. Glad uh, we live in this era, too, because it's much, much better for the sports fan, for sure. So, uh, Troy uh, Derengowski, thank you so much for, for visiting us here in the pig pen and uh, hope to have you on again real soon. Aaron, thank you very much. You guys keep up the good work, okay? We're taking a peek over at the chains and the down marker. It's fourth and long. We're going to have to punt the ball and get on out of here, but we'll have another series tomorrow for your football history headlines, so be sure to tune in. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleat Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. Pigskindispatch.com is a proud affiliate of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of sports yesteryear. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.